everybody. Welcome back to another episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine, and we're on episode 75. All right, well, there is a lot to discuss, clearly. Um, I know that on the previous episode, I shared at the beginning of the episode that my cousin Joanna passed away. And um, ever since I recorded that episode, I packed up my things and flew back to Boston. Um, There's a lot going on because, you know, we have this COVID-19 around, Chinese virus, whatever the fuck you want to call it, it's around. And it is killing motherfuckers. It's killing people and it's creating anxiety and... um, I initially was just going to stay home prior to getting the news about my cousin. Um, I was just going to stay in in Houston in my apartment, cooped up. I like being alone. There was not going to be an issue. I wasn't going to feel it was nothing for me. You know, I'm I'm typically a a homey type of person. I love, I'm a homebody for sure. But once I got the news, I booked the next flight and... Flew my ass back to Boston to stay to stay here with my family, and um, I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad I did that because once I got when I got the news, I was home. I was in in my apartment in Houston, and I was just shocked. You know, I um, I haven't dealt with anything this direct um, when it comes to death. You know, I have friends who have lost loved ones, family who have lost loved ones, but that family member will be a little distant from me or, you know, like I didn't grow up with that person maybe, or there's nobody as close to me as Joanna was throughout my life. I grew up with her. Like I knew her my whole 29 years of living and she was a huge part of my life. She and I just had very similar personalities connected on a lot of different things just she understood me I understood her and we were just that like we were kindred spirits um I am still of course grieving and initially like the first week the first few days I felt like okay is this real like is this really what it is like I really can't call her right now I really can't just pick up the phone and hear her voice anymore like it's just you know you go through these moments of denial you know and I think with the whole grieving stages the stages doesn't come at a particular part like you could feel angry one day and the next day you're in acceptance right you accept and you embrace the reality of what it is and yet um, you're, you're sad again. So I've been practicing gratitude throughout my grieving process. I've been thinking about all so many moments and experiences I've had with Joanna. And that has really kept me up, you know. Of course I cry. Of course I broke down and break down from time to time. But then I realized, like, I can't, like, no matter how many times I cry, like, this, how it doesn't bring her back, you know, it, it, it just continues the, the state of reality that I'm living in. And, um, so I, I, I train myself 
to think in gratitude. Like, you know, I'm grateful to have had so many experiences with her. I'm grateful to have had so many conversations with her. I'm grateful to have had her shine her wisdom upon me. And she was just, she was my friend, like, like my friend, you know, how, you know, you have family members and it's like, okay, you know, they're family period. But like, if we weren't family, we would have still been close. That's how close we were. So yeah, it's, you know, it's been hard, but I am grateful that I am here home in Boston. And because I think about when I got the news, I was, um, I was in my apartment by, by myself, of course, and I get a call from my father and he's calling me late at night and he doesn't do that. Like, what's going on? Like, I immediately knew something was wrong, but I, I'm trying to think positive because I didn't want to manifest any negativity, you know, manifest your thoughts becomes things, all that bullshit. But it's real. It is real. Um, but sometimes it'd be like, uh, I don't want to hear that, <laughs> you know? So anyway, I get the phone call and... I'm told Joanna's dead. Joanna's dead. Joanna, and I'm just like, wait, what? I'm sorry, what? Just not understanding what what are you saying right now? Because I literally just texted her two days ago, you know, and it's just uh. so anyway, you know, got more confirmation on it because I'm I'm hoping like maybe you got the wrong news, maybe the doctor spoke too soon because. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe the doctor spoke too soon, but that's not something doctors do. You can't falsely tell someone that their loved one passed away and then figure out, oh, actually that didn't happen. Or, but I was hoping that, you know, some miraculous moment will happen where, um, when she would just wake up, you know, people, you know, that happens, you know, you get into a coma and you're in a coma for three months and then boom, you're up and going again. So it is plausible, but it wasn't in this case. So got the news. I'm breaking down. I'm crying. I'm alone. Um, but I'm talking to my family on the phone and I'm just realizing like, I can't, I can't do this on my own. I have to be home. I was going to be home anyway, but then I was thinking about the whole, like, what, what are, like, what do we do in this time? Because I'm hearing in the news, you can't have funerals at this time. Funerals are very restricted, limited, if they're even allowing funerals to happen. So I'm like, I cannot not be home, you know, if a funeral does happen, which it did happen. And that was a really hard day, you know. So I flew in two days after I got the news. And, um, you know, we're preparing for the funeral in a few days um, from that time. The funeral already happened. And I'm just like, I'm like, this, the Thursday that's coming up is really about to be the day when we bury Joanna. Like, this is not even real. You know, it's just, you, you go through these motions and then you see it in real time. And it's like, wow, you're really not here anymore. You're really gone. Um, and you know, what's so funny the day I received the news, I, I was having a great day. It was April 15th when I got the news she passed away late that night, and that day was such a great day for me. I got my stimulus check. I was chilling, like, happy. I had a great uh, day teaching my class through Zoom. I did this cool little feature called Breakout Rooms on Zoom, and that was just so fun to me. Like, I like that cool little techie stuff, and it was just a really cool day. I was hitting up the group chat that I 
that I had with my with my with my family saying, okay, what trip we going on to? You know, I got money. <laughs> like, how we doing this nine to five shit? How y'all do this nine to five shit? Like, I'm done, <laughs> you know, just happy. And no one was responding. And I'm like, okay, maybe people are just busy. But I'm just like, okay, it's been a couple of hours. Typically, Joanna, who was a part of the group chat, she will be the one to quickly respond to me because she, she and I will be the ones who will mostly talk in the group chat. So I'm expecting for her to just laugh with me or whatever. And I still didn't get a response in the group chat. It was hours later. So I'm like, what? Okay. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm not trying to think anything more of it. I'm on my couch watching my show. And um, I'm suddenly getting visions in my head. Like I'm suddenly strongly daydreaming, well, evening dreaming of Joanna and I'm thinking of a particular moment in time when we went to a wedding one of her friends went I think it was a co-worker of hers and we went to her wedding in in the summer of 2018 and it was me Joanna and Joanna's sister Felicia and we were just having a really like I was just suddenly just thinking about that time like I just, it just randomly popped up in my mind, literally randomly popped up in my mind. And I'm thinking about the jokes that me and Joanna was making and how much we were singing with each other, you know, at the, at the table in the wedding. And it was just a really good time that we had. We were just joking. It was such a good time. And I still remember, and I was, when I was thinking about that, I was remembering my feelings in that moment, how joyful I was, how happy I was, how, how loving I, I, I am to her and how, how much whenever I'm with her, I feel those emotions just naturally. Like she, she pulls out joy. She pulls out love. She pulls out, um, just happiness from me. And whenever we're together, it's always like that. So that memory just came into my mind so vividly. And I was just like smiling to myself while watching TV. And I, I typically do talk to myself, hence this podcast. Um, but I was really thinking about her at that moment. And then two, three hours later, I get a call from my father telling me that she passed away. So I just, you know, I think it's, you know, like I was saying before, I, you know, you're, you're reminded of mortality and how we can't escape that and how it's just something, you know, we, we all have our time and I, it's, it's still hard, of course, and it's still unbelievable, yet I still find ways to think in joy, think in gratitude. Um, but I do want to switch this conversation over to talking about funeral etiquette. And let's talk about a couple of things. <laughs> let's talk about a couple of things when one attends a funeral, whether you are a close family member or a distant family member. Let's discuss how to behave when you're at a funeral service, a, a burial, whatever the fuck it is. Let's talk about how to how to act. Okay, um, because in the midst of my despair, um, uh, in the midst of my sadness, you still kind of, you could still spot out bullshit, right? Like, let's, (laughs) 
Look, I got to find something to laugh at. So that's how I am. Y'all know this. Um, but you still spot out BS. You still recognize when things shouldn't happen and when things aren't going according to plan. And unfortunately, you know, funerals are one of the main events when you do see things that are so annoying that you just, you can't just ignore, you know? So anyway, let's talk about the funeral. So... Um, <laughs> I have like a, an aunt, <laughs> let me just, let's just say family member who, so let me just give a context on my family. Like most of us, we do not react loudly. We do not react with strong, strong emotion. And even in the midst of this, of this time, of course we're crying, of course we're sad. Um, but when we all reach a point of calmness in our sadness, that's where we all are, right? So, <laughs> one of my family members came up, and she's at the bear, at, well, not well, before the burial, but she's at you know the open casket moment, and she's just wailing, okay wailing okay sailing what's that song sailing um anyway wailing down okay to the point where bitch are you okay <laughs> like all right all right please calm down <laughs> that's really where we are you know and it's like why <laughs> It sounds so crazy though, cause it's like, bitch, let her be sad. And of course, I didn't say anything. I'm letting her be sad. We're all sad, but like, you know how you're when you're when you pass that part of that screaming, sad, that that wailing, sad, that that hysterically crying, sad, and you're you've reached that calmness, yet the person next to you hasn't gotten there yet, and it's like it's messing up your vibe. Like, sis, I'm gonna need you to. Calm down, please. <laughs> so, you know, there's some etiquette around that. I feel like, you know, you kind of got to read the room. And maybe I'm just too, I'm too present. Like, I could feel and read out emotions and the energy in the room. So, like, I, I just don't feel comfortable wailing when it's super silent in the room. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel comfortable screaming and talking out loud and well, why did I do all that? Which, look, everyone is different and it's fine. It is what it is. But I just kind of feel like, look, um, sis, can we just calm down? Can we keep it at a low volume? We are outside and our na- the neighbors, like, it, it's just a little much. It's a little much. It's a little much. Um, so there's that. And I also, you know how, okay, so... This is the second part. When everyone receives the news, that, uh, you know, about her passing, you know, they're reaching out to the family, reaching out to me, sending their condolences. And that's so sweet. And I appreciate every condolence I receive. That's really sweet. Um, but you know what? You haven't talked to somebody in a while. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Something is the problem. Something is the matter. Okay. No, but I did receive a, a condolence from, you know, a, a distant ex. And it's just, you know, it is sweet. I appreciate it. I responded to every single one that I received from, you know, everybody. But it's just interesting because I I remember saying in a previous podcast talking about like, you know, how sometimes people will use um, just something, something has an excuse to 
to you know to kind of shoot you a check uh, shoot you a text you know to check in on you and it's like nigga i'm good <laughs> It's like, I mean, look, I do appreciate it. I'm not going to keep on saying it. I'm not going to disqualify what I'm saying by that. But it's just really funny because it's like some people who I haven't received a direct condolence from, um, it's just like, oh, okay, I, I kind of expected you to be the one to hit me up more than this distant ex of mine who I haven't talked to this nigga in how long? And he's talking about... First of all, why do you still have my number? <laughs> and I did, I did not have his number. And I, I knew he knew that because he texted me. And in his initial text, he ended it with his name. So, like, his signature or whatever. And it's like, okay, that's smart. Because I would have been like, who is this? But I'm good in figuring out who a person is based off of how they write and deliver a text message so I would have figured it out and I would have like looked at the numbers and really thought to myself who is this person so I would have figured out anyway but it was funny how he just left his name right after you know the text that he sent but it's just you know I think during this time everyone grieves differently you know and I do have sympathy for everyone's level of grief everyone's you know way of grieving you know some people are introverted with their grieving and they just you know you know stick to themselves and don't speak about it and don't really talk about it you know stay in a corner and that's fine I think that sometimes could be problematic but look eventually it, it does hopefully it does fall like they release their emotions um and then you have people who are expressive, you know, who are, you know, feeding off of the energy of other people to help them to get through it. Like I, as much as I am an introvert in so many ways, I really needed to be with my family. Like I could not have grieved alone in, a, in Houston, in my apartment by myself, like without, like I could not have done it on my own. And the first two days when I did, I just, I just was in a state of shock. Like I just... I need to go, I need to go, I need to go. That's, that's how I was feeling. So I'm the type of griever who needs to be with people, you know? Like, I'm, even if I'm not talking to you every day, maybe just the presence, maybe just the knowing of someone else that's in this house with me makes me feel better, you know? So that's how I've been handling it. And you know what's amazing? When I think of condolences, like, there are some people, like, I just, I am so in awe of how well my job has reached out to me like I never in my like I'm the type of person I'm very closed off in in when it comes to work relationships because I remember just starting off working like in my teenage years and thinking oh everyone's my friend everyone's my friend everyone's nice they're my friend blah 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 and my sister had to beat it down to me and my mom had to beat it down to me that they aren't your, they aren't your friends you know your co-workers aren't your friends they're your co-workers period no matter how nice they may be no matter how great a conversation you may have no matter how cool of a chit chat you may have with them they are not your friends they're your co-workers so I had to start unlearning um just some of the things that I would think about initially when I would work with somebody and start adopting that mindset they're not my friends they're my co-workers and of course you do have experience with co-workers who would talk shit about me, would, you know, kind of um, not hold me to a high light, you know, and could possibly put my job at risk, put my position at risk, whatever the case is. So 
of course, there are those people you got to look out for. Yet again, you can still um, develop strong relationships with coworkers and that turn into a strong friendship. You know what I mean? Like, it's not completely out of the ballpark. It. You can potentially meet someone through a work relationship and gain a solid, trusted friendship. Um, and when I say my colleagues, my, you know, my admin team at my job, like everyone really reached out and just, I just showed their love. And I've been so close off to the potential of even receiving said love from colleagues, from, um, superiors at job. Like I don't even open myself up enough to allow for them to show their comfort, show their care. And I was crying in addition to just the sadness that I was already feeling. I was crying in the outpour of love. Like, wow, this is what love feels like. (laughs) It's so weird. Like, this is what it feels to let people in, to be vulnerable and to receive love. Like, this is amazing. I, when I tell you I receive, um, like food, um, gifts, like just, my coworkers, like I just, I just don't. I always just thought, like, okay, not always, but I since thought, you know, I gotta just not think about coworkers as people who I could really fuck with. Like, okay, let me just keep them at a distance. Boom, boom, boom. But to receive just food and outpour of love in different ways is just, it's so nice. You know, and I just think about like, wow, I need to allow myself to open up, to let people in. And yes, and do it with, you know, do it with guard, do it with caution. Yes. And allow yourself to receive that love, you know. So that was just amazing to feel. Um, And I just, you know, I'm just so grateful for that. Everybody who reached out, like, near or far, even that distant ex, I still appreciate it. (laughs) But don't think, let me just make this very motherfucking clear. I don't think you heard me. And I'm going to say it again. Don't use grief as a way to fuck with niggas who you stop fucking with. Like, <laughs> the door is still closed. Okay, thank you, thank you, and goodbye. Um, so that's where I'm at. Um, I, you know, I... <laughs> that's, that's, that's what the fuck it is. Anyway, we're gonna shift gears and give a little hair update. A bitch cut her locks off. Yes, drops mic uh take off headphones um check your armpits i said i cut off my locks okay now i am saying this because i of course i you know this podcast the the cover art has you know a, a cartoon image of me when i had locks and throughout this podcast, a start of this podcast is with me with locks. And I've had my locks for two years. You know, if you follow me on Instagram, you see my lock journey. And, but I never really was the type to, oh, my locks reached uh, shoulder length or, oh, I could put my locks in a bun. Like, I just, I never, like, I didn't save posts on my feed. Instead, like, I will post, 
you know, just naturally Instagram, you know, stories of whatever I'm doing and you just happen to see my hair and you make a comment, cool. But I never post an intentional post about my hair. I never really was like that lock girl. I'm not, like, I just didn't really care. Them. I never counted my locks. It was just like, all right, I... You know, I wanted to lock my hair two years ago because really I was tired of doing my hair. I was, (laughs) I just two strand twisted it and I never took it out. I never took it out. And I also did that because like, okay, so I never took it out. And then I remember like just looking at a couple people on Instagram and seeing how they started their locks and they just did it with two strand twists. I'm like, oh, if I just leave my hair in two strand twists, it'll lock on its own. So that's what I did. And I just never took it out. But it wasn't like I was longing for locks forever. Um, I do remember a point in time a few years ago before I was locked, I was just loose natural. And I did say how, you know, I'll lock my hair eventually. And I did, and, you know, and I ended up doing, you know, I ended up, I ended up doing that years later. Um, but I, and I appreciate the journey. I, I loved how I, and just, just the whole natural hair journey. But I do remember specifically in the lock journey, you know, doing it with two strand twists, I went through it, like, the quote-unquote ugly stage, you know, my parents not understanding, rationing me, you know, with Haitian parents, they, there's a particular standard, a beauty standard that you have to uphold, and it's, you know, it is what it is, but I had to kind of fight that expectation, fight that disapproval, like, I was constant. I was living at home at that time, so I was constantly just battling with you know, just the confidence or the lack of confidence others had on me about my beauty. Like, think about that. You got to deal with other people's lack of confidence of how you look the fuck. Like, I'm already dealing with my own self-esteem. Like, this is not helpful. This is not it. Anyway, um, I'm glad I obviously, I'm glad I pushed through with it because I just really love the journey. I love how I was building my own confidence. I was building my self-esteem. I was loving myself. I wasn't reliant on my hair as my only source of beauty, you know. Prior to being locked, I was loose natural for, um, I want to say three years Honestly, I don't, I didn't, I don't keep track. I don't do all that. Oh, it's been three years locked by like, like I know it's been two years locked that I had my hair locked, but, um, I just, I don't know. I don't keep track of stuff like that. I just, I just do it and move on. That's how I am. I don't do it and move on. Like, I don't like to spend too much time. Just do it and do it and fucking move on. That's it. Okay. So, um, but yeah, previous to that, you know, with the natural hair journey, I didn't just immediately uh, cut off my hair. I grew it out enough to have a twa, you know, t- a teeny weeny afro. <laughs> and, you know, that's when I did the big chop. But during that process, I hardly wore, like initially, like in the beginning of my natural hair journey, I did not really wear protective styles. I didn't wear weaves. I didn't wear wigs. I didn't wear um, braids that much in the beginning. And I was really just showing my hair. Like, I was going through it. But through that, I loved myself. Like, I appreciated who I am. I recognized that my hair doesn't define me. Like, you know, I am not my hair. Whole India Irie up in this, okay? That was me. And that was me still during the lock stages, you know? There's there's a stage that you have to go through if you do it the natural way. And that is shade. That is, let me just say this. Let me say this because... 
I think, you know, you know, we live in this PC society where, you know, everyone, you just do it your way. And that's, that's cool. And I'll do it your way. But let's give respect to those who really did it, right? Who really went natural, who really locked their hair and did it from the gutter, okay? When I tell you I too stand twist my own head, okay? I allow my new growth to be new growth. I didn't retwist it until maybe six months. Nigga, I was, you saw my journey. There was no pretending that it was not hidden under anything. You know, I didn't wear wigs. I didn't wear any of that. Yes, give me a trophy. Give me a badge because I really, you know, I want to say it's a slap in the face, but it's something, it's a little cringy when you have, you know, people around you, you have women around you who goes lock, you know, who, who decide to lock their hair and they literally the next one day okay so it's wednesday for example it's a wednesday their hair is loose natural and then the next day nigga it's thursday and your hair is locked how is it locked <laughs> my hair took maybe four months to lock i don't i don't honestly i didn't count but you saw the journey and my hair is thick 4c hair so it locked probably quicker than you know, the softer hair textures out there. But my hair, like, you saw how it locked. You saw the transition of a clear two-strand twist to a uh, a whole bud, a whole lock, tangled-ass bud, okay? And to see someone else just immediately get to that stage and their hair's already looking superb and just a fresh retwist, it's like, please don't talk to me. No, no, you don't know what it is to be locked, please. Yes, and I'm saying that, I'm sticking to that because it's really funny. It's really funny when people like to just, you know, it's like when you are crossing in a fraternity or a sorority, you don't get respect when you don't go through, when you don't get made. You know, that's what they say. You, you got to get made first, you know. You got to get beaten up a couple of times, you nigga, okay? <laughs> Shit, you got to accidentally fall into someone else's lap to get into the sorority what are we doing you you mean to tell me you just you just filled out an application and you're an aka if you don't sit down oh so you just filled out this uh, this application and now you're an omega sci-fi all right all right if you don't sit down like uh, point me to your to whatever they call it probate i don't know like that's just it doesn't make sense go through the process with me don't be the next day your hair's already locked what is that anyway anyway I say all that to say. It's like, I don't say all that to say anything about what I'm going to say next. But my point is just go through the process. And when I went through the process, I learned more of myself. I love more of myself. And you really can't tell me shit. Like, I remember being younger and like as soon as someone said they didn't find me attractive or whenever I would get clowned for my physical appearance for whatever it is, I would feel that I would let that resonate and I would just just stay in that funk. Like I would just allow the opinions of others to really tell me who the fuck I am. And being 29 years old, pushing myself to go through these natural hair journeys and realizing how much I how much how much i allowed my hair to tell me who i am or how i allowed others to tell me who i am i realized that's a problem so going through this process really showed me how much i love myself and how much i'm the shit period okay so anyway i i cut my hair 
because I wanted to. I cut my locks because I wanted. That's really it. That's that's the that's the tweet. That's it. You know. Um. Yes, there's more reasons to it, but uh, uh, like the primary reason, you want to. You know. You want to move forward. Like I wanted to move forward from the style. I wanted to just okay. I wanted to change. I wanted to change my look. That's it. And I also think about like and this like more like, uh, more maintenance and beauty reasons behind it too. And I'll get to that. But initially, you know, I think sometimes we don't give, uh, just, we don't give credit to just wanting to do something to be your reason to do that. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to have a whole soliloquy, a whole thesis statement written out about why you did something. Bitch, you wanted to? Okay, that's why you did it. Got it. Period. Period. So that's 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 it, right? That's that's the first reason. And I also think about this. Okay. Um <laughs> I honestly, I I think I got also tired of the look. Um I really loved when my hair looked when it did when it was too strand twisted in that lock style but when it wasn't in that lock style um I felt like my ends wasn't as finished you know there was still lint in my hair even after I would wash it and it felt like my hair wasn't still completely done you know um and it, it got quickly I think quickly it it needed to be done after I've already gotten it styled, right? So it was, it was just a lot. And with 4C hair, it's a type of hair where some people would just think, oh, did you get your hair done? Did you not get, like, it's like, bitch, what? And it's not to say I don't, you know, yes, I'm confident who I am. Yes, I love myself and I could, and I've gone out plenty of times without having a fresh retwist. I'm not a slave to that, I'm not. And I could also say it's annoying. It's annoying when, <laughs> you know, you just got your hair done or you thought you did at least. And it's like, bitch, it's not. <laughs> it's fucking not. Can we just say that? Um, but anyway, it's that. And it's also like, um, I think there's, uh, what, I don't want to say this without offending anyone. But who, really, who the fuck is? Um, there is a... A, a lack of maturity look when it comes to locks. For me, let's say that for me. Let's say that for me. And maybe let's say that for my type of uh, hair texture. I feel like with my type of hair texture, and I have 4C hair again, um, I feel like I don't look like the adult that I am. I'm 29 years old and I don't feel like my hair reflects adult 29 years old. I feel like it, it reflects maybe kind of kiddish. You know, maybe it's still a child. I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking about all of that. And I'm thinking about like, you know, you know, just my ends, like still, like I would still get lint in my ends, even after washing it, it'll just kind of stay and remain. And it'll just annoy me. And I just saw like, okay, my, I really mostly liked my my roots and how it was nice and fresh and even when it wasn't too fresh I liked it more because my ends felt like too like it wasn't just it just wasn't right for me you know it just wasn't right um I do appreciate how much my hair grew like for it to be just two years and I I don't even want to say a complete two years like 
maybe a year and um a couple of months <laughs> maybe a year a couple of months but for it to be just that amount of time and my hair has grown like my hair grew so much like bitch like a little bit below shoulder like, like it was growing and for it to and you felt the weight the heaviness of it too like I I felt like the weight of it and um I knew that like when I went while I was washing my hair you know how you wash your hair your hair is more stretched out so I've I saw that I felt that and I just loved how much my hair grew but then what I didn't like was that okay it grew but it grew in the context of being locked right I want my hair to grow still natural I don't you know I don't want to perm my hair not at all I'm not putting any chemical in my hair but I don't want I don't want to only think of my hair like, oh, it grows, but it grows in locks. Like, I just feel like that's a cheap way. Like, I think it's so easy to grow. I, that's, re that's really what it is. I think it's easier to grow your hair in locks because with locks, at least with my locks, like, you're not doing much to it. Like, I'm not manipulating my hair too much. I'm not doing all these crazy styles. I keep it very simple and straight. I'm very simple, okay? It's either a two-strand twist or just a, a regular retwist. Ain't, ain't, ain't nothing extra, you know? I know there's a lot of people who do do um, um, just, like, those updo styles, you know? And, and then the when you do that too much, your hair does... Um, it does thin out. So those thick locks that you may have had initially are now thinning out. And so, I mean, that wasn't my case anyway, so that was fine for me. And that allowed my hair to grow, I'm assuming so, because I really just kind of got to the point, did my hair, rusted, didn't really play with it, touch it. I mean, I did touch it, but I didn't really like, I'm gonna do this stuff. No, it was very simple. Anyway, so I say all that, and I think about like, I just like, evolving I do like change I do like um moving on to the next step I don't want to feel stagnant I don't want to feel um like a slave to my hair you know I know some there's a stereotype of like well you know you're locked you know you're locked forever you know think of the, just the term locked you're locked you're locked down you're you are trapped you are put under and that's how I was seeing it like okay I don't want to be a slave to my hair and I don't want to stay locked if I'm done if I'm done with this style like I could leave like it's not I'm not fucking you know sentenced in prison I could go and um you know people will have their opinions you know the lock community I'm, <laughs> I mean I wasn't a part of any like specific lock community but yes I did know I do know people who are locked who are in my surroundings and look I, I I don't give a fuck. I don't like I don't care what you think. I really I really don't care what anyone thinks. You know, it is what it is. It's my hair. Um I don't I don't think I'll receive I don't really care if I receive pushback or not, but I know, you know, what I do uh anticipate receiving is people who do praise length. You know, people there's a lot of people, people especially people in the Black community, the Haitian community, they, they they see length, long hair. They see that as beauty. This is the standard of beauty. You're beautiful because you have long hair. Oh my God, look at how much your hair has grown. Wow, wow, they prize it. This is like a, this is a status symbol. And 
I cut off my locks, meaning I cut off the parts that were locked and I cut it to um, the part where my new growth is and my hair is a twa again, a teeny weeny afro. Um, I'm able to still, I washed it and everything. I, I, I two strand twisted it, not to lock it again, but I two strand twisted it to just you know create a nice little fro once I do a you know do a twist out and my natural hair girls know what I'm talking about anyway I hope sorry to the men out there who probably don't know what the fuck I'm saying but please stick with me anyway the point of what I'm saying is do what the fuck you want <laughs> that's that's really it that's the point that's the point um and my hair is still political I know I, I had a previous episode you know a couple of episodes back when I talked about how locking my hair is political and you know, just natural hair is political. I think also it's just about being who you are, standing in who you are is political, you know, being proud of who God built. You know, this podcast really stemmed from being proud in who God created you to be, you know, not allowing shame from others, from your own self, not allowing that to deter you from being who you were created to be, you know, and that looks like a number of different things, but just embracing your natural self. And that's just always been me, whether locked or not. That was me when I was natural hair. And that was me when I was locked. And that's now me again, natural hair. And I'm so when I tell y'all, um, so I, I cut it, Okay, I don't like telling the day. Anyway, I I cut it, you know, just recently. And prior to me cutting, I was thinking about cutting it. I was thinking about initially combing out the locks. But I thought to myself, uh, nigga, what the fuck? (laughs) I know we got time and all because of quarantine. But no, (laughs) I don't care how much time I have. I'm not doing that. And one, it was painful. Like, I remember I tried with with one lock. And I was like, yeah, this is not coming out loose like this is it'll be one thing if I had softer texture hair then uh, sure I'm sure it'll be easier and maybe if I had um super thick if I really started like Rasta locks like super thick is that Rasta locks I don't know but if I if I had super thick hair then that'd be a different case cool but being that none of that is my situation I'm cutting these locks off like I'm not what are we doing what are we talking about no let me cut my hair give me a bag give me a plastic bag boom boom and so I was it was eating me up because I knew I wanted to do it yet I was allowing fear fear can't believe that fear mind you I've had a teeny weeny afro before mind you I've you know, been naturally loose haired before. All of these things are nothing new to me. But being that I'm going back to a time when, um, you know, I've, I've already moved on from that point And that point was not so, like, it wasn't all the way happy, you know, because I had to deal with the opinions of others. And I was still going through my own self. I... I was still hesitant. I was still thinking to myself, like, oh my gosh, can I really do this? I'm gonna go through this again. Oh my gosh, what 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 would my nigga think? You know, Boston Bay, what the fuck? What was he what would he think? But then I thought to myself, who the fuck cares? Like you really I had to have a reality check with my own self. Cause sometimes we have to check ourselves. Sometimes we have to say, self, if this is what you wanna do, don't let anyone or anything or even yourself get in the way of that. Please cut cut the shit. I'm still a badass bitch, so there's that, and it's like, you know, what are we, what are we doing, so yeah, I was, it was two days, I was just like, it was just sitting on my head, like, just the thought of, of me prolonging this needed action to finally do it, 
Then I finally took the scissors and I cut. And I was like, all right, let's, let's do it, let's do it. And of course, I was needing help. There is something about finding other people who have gone through what you're going through, right? So I was on YouTube, just <laughs> YouTubing people cut locks or combing locks. First, I was looking at that and I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not gonna comb out my locks. That's not happening. And I was thinking about anyway, locks is really just shed hair locking together. Like, it's gonna have to be cut. Like, whether you comb it out anyway, when you go to a stylist, a professional stylist, they're gonna have to cut that hair off. So what am I holding on to? And this this goes deeper, right? Like, what am I holding on to? Am I holding on to this standard that people have embedded in me has this beauty standard? What am I holding on to? Cut off what needs to be cut off, right? Cut off, let go of things that are not serving you. So I cut that shit off. I cut it off and I felt good. I felt good as I was doing it. I felt so good. And once I finally got through every lock in my head, I was like, yes like i just felt like i needed to feel this like this was relieving for me i felt like myself more and i'm not saying i didn't feel like myself previously when i was locked but i felt like this is what i needed to feel i felt complete in myself so i was excited about that and another reason of me wanting to just finally lock cut off my locks was you know i'm i'm 29 years old and this goes back to what I was saying previously about not wanting to be, um, not wanting to kind of look childish, you know, or lack any type of maturity. Yes, yes, I joke around and that, that may add on to my appearance of maybe not looking as mature, right? And I do naturally look a little younger than my age, maybe, sure, whatever. My body don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Um, I, I, um, I was saying to myself, like, I really want to tap into my sexy more, like, full force, like, bad bitch mode, you know, I'm about to be 30 next year, and I just think, like, I, I don't, I don't want to do that long shit no more, like, that's just it, like, I want to, I want to silk press my hair, you know, I won't be doing any, um, chemicals, I won't, do, I won't be getting a perm again, so that's clear, but I could still achieve a straight hairstyle with a, a little bounce, with a little curl, you know, by doing a silk press, um, my loctician, <laughs> well, she was my loctician, um, she does do natural hairstyles, so she does do silk presses, so, you know, I'll just go to her for silk press, you know, and, continue to treat my natural hair accordingly of course and when I want to straighten it out I can and you know give that little glam look that I want to have for myself you know and you know I love when I used to wear box braids oh my god I love box braids I miss box braids and I'm so I'm so excited that I could I could get back to that um I was thinking, I remember being locked, and I was thinking, like, hmm, I wonder if I could get box braids while being locked, and I know I saw a couple, of, maybe a few videos, but the look didn't look too well, and I, I think it, it explained the reason why there were so many low, like, there was so, like, there was a lack of videos that showed, um, that showed, uh, what the fuck am I gonna say, that showed locks that could turn into box braids, so, 
that that speaks enough, you know. Um, so I miss that and getting Marley twists. I love those, but I really love my box braids. So I'm just excited. I'm excited for the versatility that my hair could could be styled in you know and I, I do remember being you know a few years old you know a few years ago when I said oh I'm gonna I'm gonna lock my hair and you know I'm glad that I did what I said I was gonna do um but I remember my hesitation at that time was you know it's not versatile what what if I wanted to straighten my hair the next day I can't and yeah, that's true. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yes, locks are versatile, though. Like, you could do different styles. You know, you could do an updo. You could have curly locks. You could have straight locks. You could dye your locks. You could... All that is cool, but that is nothing like a straight silk press, curly bounce, shiny ass style. There's nothing like that running your 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 uh, your uh fingers through your hair. There's nothing like combing your hair and I don't you know I think that's another reason why my hair grew so much because I didn't comb it you know there's something to not running a comb through your hair that allows it to just be and breathe and grow so I think that helped it too so I'm gonna hopefully you know not use a comb too much because I do want to achieve a longer length um I did like that look so I do want to achieve that but that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate my hair the way it is right now in a teeny weeny afro so Anyway, I say all that to say, um, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this new journey that I'm on. Um, I'm excited for the endless amount of hairstyles that I will explore. I was never really like a weave head. I never really was a wig head. I never really felt comfortable wearing that because I just felt like it just felt like a hat on my head and maybe it was the wrong person doing my hair or maybe I'm just you know looking at it differently I don't know but I do see a lot of pretty like a lot of pretty girls on my Instagram whether they're my friends or just strangers of who I follow and they would have weave in their hair or would it be a lace or whatever it is and it just looks so it doesn't look like a hat like y'all know the weeds I'm talking about where it looks like girl did you just put that on like like literally before you walked out you just put that on like what's happening so I don't know. I don't want that. <laughs> but I do want to just be open and explore how that will look. Look, I'm getting in. I'm about to be 30 next year. And I'm so grateful. You know, God willing, you know, life is short. And I don't want to not do something because of just silly reasons, you know, fear of what others may think or whatever it is. So standing who you are, God built this, boom, 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 clank. All right. <sighs> I want to get into this Joe Biden sexual assault case. I'm just, honestly, I'm flabbergasted. I don't know what to believe. And that's no shade to the woman, Tara Reid, who has accused Joe Biden of sexually assaulting her. Um, here's what I do want to say, though. I think it's very, very disappointing very disappointing. And y'all know I love The View. Uh, oh, I, hello, Stan, okay? Someday they will sponsor this show. Fuck, someday I will be on the show talking, you know, as a panelist. I I love that show down, you know? Um, But I'm very disappointed in how they handle this because there's been so many episodes, so many conversations of the ladies talking down about Donald Trump and bringing up all of his sexual um, allegations and talking so honestly, so candidly about that and immediately believing the woman, right? Believe all women, believe all women. Yet, and you even have 
for example, Sunny Hostin, okay? Sunny, who's a lawyer who would compl- always say, believe all women. I believe the woman. I, I was a prosecutor or what she, I think she was, yeah, she was a prosecutor and she, you know, put in jail many rapists, many, uh, you know, molesters, pedophiles. And she had to deal with cases of women who were um, sexually abused and them going and kind of walk them through them going through the process of uh, putting in prison their perpetrators. Right. So she was really speaking for survivors, for victims and for their lack of coverage on this on this allegation against Joe Biden, I'm just really appalled because it, this, there's a bigger, bigger conniving situation happening here. You know, you have the Democratic Party who will do anything and everything, understandably so, with good reason though, to get rid of Donald Trump, right? To rid him off the off, rid him out the office, and to just. Get just get him the fuck out. Get him all right. You know they impeached him, but obviously that didn't go far. It's null and void. This whole COVID thing kind of trumped all of that, and that hasn't been spoken about, right? But he is impeached, but he's not. There's no pro. Where's the process after that? No one's talking about that anymore. You know. Anyway, you know you have all this hoo ha against Donald Trump, and yet when Joe Biden, you know this beloved person, this person who was next to Obama, who we just saw as Uncle Joe. This is Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe. You know, Joe got invited to the cookout. Joe, you know, could come to the black church. Joe could give a little speech at the black church. Joe was that nigga. Joe was that nigga. And, you know, he is the presidential nominee for the Democratic Party. And he is the seemingly, he's the hope to remove Trump from office. And cool, okay, fine, whatever. You know, I accepted the fact that Bernie is no longer in the race and he had to suspend his campaign and there's this agenda to not really allow Bernie to be as radical and to be as, you know, revolutioning, you know, revolutionizing whatever, as he is, (laughs) but now that Joe is receiving all of these allegations, well, this allegation so far, and I just found out that there was a woman who, at the age of 14, was sexually harassed by Joe Biden, like, there's, there's cases now, you know, um, to not even explore that as a topic amongst the ladies on The View is disappointing, you know, the one, and mind you, they only talked about it one time, okay, this apparently has been used, you know, this has been rumbling for the past two months now, and for it to just be one episode recently of them talking about this case, and for it to only be talked about because there's an outside correspondent who was a guest on The View that they talked to about the case with, that was the only reason why they talked about it. It just felt like a scripted, inauthentic exchange with, uh, like, about this topic. It was not a, you know, a gut-wrenching, uh, a emotional response as they have had with Donald Trump for so many episodes. And it really, op- it really opened my eyes to see 
these motherfuckers don't really mean what they say. You know, when they have an agenda, you know, when their agenda is to simply get someone out, that's all they're doing. You know, when they have an agenda to support a particular person, no matter what comes out against this person, it really doesn't matter because it's going to be Joe, it's going to be Joe, vote blue, no matter who, blah, blah. And it's like, at this point, I'm look, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say... Well, I don't know what to say about that. I was going to say, don't, I'm not saying don't vote for rapists. That's not, that's not what I mean. But my point is like, at least, at least discuss it honest, honestly, you know, at least have this conversation and talk about your disappointment and your hurt about it. At least have that same energy that you had with Trump, right? You know, you said believe all women, right, Sonny? What the fuck is that, you know? And I know Meghan Cain is a conservative Republican, but, you know, her family is really close with Biden. He's a close family friend. Um, so she, even she is someone on The View who is not speaking candidly about this. And I'm hoping... In an episode soon to come, they will talk about this more. And in more episodes, they will talk about it candidly. But I, for now, I'm really disappointed in how it's been handled. It's I'm disappointed the whole Democratic Party. Honestly, this is honestly bullshit. Everybody don't really care unless it, like, they really don't care, right? What they do care about is pushing their agenda. The agenda is to remove Trump. Right. But if the same allegations that made Trump look like a bad guy. Right. And I'm just and there's more that looks like a bad guy for Trump. But just when there's this commonality of rape. Right. Of sexual abuse, of sexual assault between the sitting president and the push for this man to be the next sitting president. It's like what kind of what world are we living in? you want this rapist or this rapist? Which one? You want rapist A or rapist B? Which one are we talking about? Because I just don't understand why we're living in a world where we have to choose between these two rapists. You know, and of course, if you want to do, you know, the Tea Party, <laughs> you want to vote Libertarian, then okay, do what you want. At this point, I'm just going to write down Bernie's name and give it a go because <laughs> I don't... <laughs> what to do i ain't got the time i don't have the time um and i'm just gonna go ahead and wrap it up here y'all i <laughs> i've said a lot i said a lot and i appreciate everyone who tunes in who tells a friend and y'all are great um dude, should i say this one last thing should i say this one last thing um I do want to talk about Insecure real quick, real quick, real quick. So, yes, I am an Insecure fan. And, yes, it's team fuck Molly because that bitch is crazy. Um, and just a, a simple weirdo. That's just what she is. Um, but I more so want to talk about her... <sighs> I think it's just a lack of maturity that she has, especially when it comes to relationships. Um... You know, when you're dating somebody, you need to be clear and cut, like very, very outspoken about what the fuck are we, you know, are we together? Are we not? Like, I don't, I don't believe in the whole 
what what's understood doesn't need to be said no 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 no. it needs to be written it needs to be signed it needs to be delivered nigga what are we what is our status am i your wife am i your woman are we only seeing each other like i need you to paint it out to me because i'm gonna act like i'm boobiful i don't know i don't know i don't know what's my name i'm gonna act all of that because we need to communicate okay so she finds out that her Asian bae, Andrew, uh, is seeing another woman, right? Not like like that. That sounds like he's cheating on her, right? But he's just dating other people. And he said it casually. And it kind of took her off guard. You know, because she was initially... she she uh, it, it came about because she joked in. She joked with him once his phone rang. And she's like, oh, who's that? Yeah, the boo. <laughs> and he's like, well, actually, it, you know, it's someone else that I'm dating as well. Like, he kind of said it just very, you know, slick and just straightforward. And maybe, I don't think it's a lie because, you know, maybe someone's thinking, okay, he should have said it earlier. I don't know. I don't really think it was, that's what it is. Because when you have something like, you know, we're dating, right? They may not have spent every day with each other, right? Maybe they go out, maybe they commit to twice a week. You know, maybe those times when they're going out, you know, it's light. It's light work. Or they're going out, or not even, even on the episode, you'll see how their relationship was more physical than it was emotional. And then she eventually wanted more, you know, more emotion from him. But they were more physical. And so I just can't, I think Molly just has a lack of maturity when it comes to all relationships, okay? When it comes to her and Asian Bay, her and Issa, <laughs> Issa Bay, her and her father Bay. Like, fuck, this bitch needs help. She needs help. And I'm just tired. I think she's such a beautiful woman. <laughs> just no shade to her as, a, as an actress, right? <laughs> But you know how sometimes you just, you can't help but to see that person as the character as they play, you know, as with, uh, what's her name, Tiffany character, well, Amanda Seals character, Tiffany, you know, she is seen as, you know, kind of shady friend, snippety, <laughs> and Amanda Seals don't look too different from that, I mean, she doesn't look snippety, but she does, she does come off very elitist, definitely, um, I do appreciate her take on different topics, and, I think she is a strong voice when it's used uh, manageably, uh, but sometimes she could be a little, a little much. But I think you know it's unfair to assume someone is exclusively dating you. Um, like, okay, here's the thing: like with Boston Bay, yes, yes, me and him are still fucking. Yes, it is still going down. And I'm not changing that, okay? Um, but he's been really emotionally available and present during this time. So that's been nice, you know. Um, but, like, you know, me and him been doing this thing for a few years now. And ain't shit official. <laughs> Let me say it again. Ain't shit official. Okay, <laughs> we have not had that exclusive talk, you know, I have not sat down with him, nor has he with me, about whether or not, you know, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, like, that corny ass shit, <laughs> no, I just said, you gotta talk to somebody, you gotta have that, <laughs> I just said corny ass shit, look, 
it's different. It's different knowing him. It's different. It's different. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know. I think, though, you know, I still walk around more so like, okay, well, I'm going to do me. And we don't really, like, I'm not going to talk to him about other niggas. You know, that's weird. And vice versa. And I presume that he's not talking to other bitches because he's a different type of person. Like, he's not a thirsty nigga. He doesn't really need to have that attention all the time. Like, he's not that type of dude. So, I could believe that he's really not talking to fucking anybody else. I really could believe that. And maybe I'm boo-boo the fool. So, there's that. Anyway, I know for sure, you know, there's... What we have is more than just fucking, like, it's deeper um, emotionally, but, and I could, not but, and I could also say we're not, we never had that exclusive talk, so until we do, then we are, until then, the fuck, <laughs> the fuck, um, that's what it is, I, I was gonna talk about another nigga real quick, church, church, let's call him church, babe, I'm not gonna call him church nigga. Um, and I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm done calling, I'm not, I'm done using the word nigga. No, never that nigga, 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 nigga. Um, but I am saying, you know, let's, let's evolve him to a church bay. Because here's the thing. I know in the previous two episodes ago, <laughs> I'm flaky as fuck. <laughs> let's say that. <laughs> I gotta go. Um, let's say that. Um, here's the thing. You know how you are seeing people, right? You know, you're dating somebody, you know, maybe you're dating two people at a time, right? Hence the case with me. And I want to say, like, date, date. Like, I don't know. Like, we're not literally going out on dates. It's not like that. But, you know, I'm I'm giving my energy to two different niggas, right? But there's more energy given to Boston Bay. Like, that's period. Like, if he were to... If he were to say, Maxine, you know, I realize how down for me you are. You know that nigga shit. <laughs> you know that hood nigga shit. But he's educated, though. Anyway, you know, if you were to say that and ask for us, ask for me to be his woman, you know, for us to really do it exclusively and be with each other. Oh, bitch, it's yes. It's, it's yes. Yes, yes. And I'm saying that um, with visceral in my voice because I've always seen him as that man, like that nigga, like that type of nigga who really just gets me going, you know? I want someone who is man enough for me, you know, who is, who will be able to check me when I need to be checked, right? And yes, sometimes he could be a little aggressive, maybe sometimes, um, but he does eventually apologize and he does you know, we're not perfect, and there's something that we could grow with when we are with together, you know, what the fuck did I just say, there's something, like, we could grow, and we have grown more with each other, and there's this, there's this comfort, there's this establishment that we've reached with each other, and that we continue to reach with each other, that I don't, I don't think it's, it doesn't make sense to just let it go, you know what I mean, like, I feel like there's a huge part of me that's waiting for him to eventually say that and for it to all be worth it and I feel like it'll happen I just can't tell you when I can't tell myself when and it's just is what it is we're just gonna keep on doing what we're doing it's the fuck it is okay bye <laughs> um and I'm just gonna get my rocks off sometimes from other ways you know because why not you know sometimes I just like the attention and it is what it is 
and maybe that's maybe that makes me a fucked up person maybe that does but I remember talking to another family member of mine and um you know she was not in the same situation somewhat but she was saying how you know she made she has his main nigga she has a side nigga and you know if the main nigga finally makes it official official and really gets his act together every every other little nigga goes you know and I also say that because I look at the differences between the two and it's so vast. When I tell you the differences between, it's literally night and day. Um, when I tell you I want to be with night, <laughs> Boston Bay is night, okay? Night, I'll take him night, evening, midnight, demon hours. W- what are we doing, okay? I do not want a day-ass nigga. <laughs> I don't want it, okay? Anyway, I'm saying that because <sighs> Church Bay, nice guy. There's so many great things about him that I appreciate him as a friend. That's And that's why I don't want to just be like, oh, fuck him. Because I've, I've said, I've said it to both of them anyway, but like with him, it's like, I think because there, there's a lot of reasons why I'm just not really interested in making it real official, but or official period, not real, like, like it was official, just official period between us because he, um, he's not man enough for me and that's, oh shit, um, he's not <laughs> literally getting called right now, he's not man enough for me, um, and I say that because, um, I say that because he um, he is a few years younger, and I obviously can't change that. But there's there's so many reasons that's related to his age that makes me not attracted to him. Okay, he is not as established as I need my man to be. He's not as mature in his thinking, and um, unless I'm a I'm gonna make it as simple as I can right now, just. To, just to make it clear as an example, there was a previous episode when I talked about, and it was a while ago, but I talked about how, <laughs> how I got so annoyed with him and I ended it with him because when I was realizing, I don't think I'm really feeling him like that. I, don't, I think I'm just seeing him as a friend. And one of the reasons that prompted me to feel that way was him, te- was him telling me his favorite pizza is Domino's. And I'm just sitting there on the phone thinking, sir, what else? Chicken nuggets? Like, what What do you mean Domino's is your favorite pizza? Because Domino's is not pizza. Okay? Um, what's that? Uh, C- Little Caesars is not pizza. You want to say, so pretty much you're telling me your full meal, your favorite meal is a, is a chicken nugget. That's what it is. You like the six piece, the four piece, or the, or the ten piece. Which one is it? Because that's what it sounds like to me. And when he was going so adamant about why Domino's is his favorite pizza and why Little Caesars hits the spot, I'm just sitting there like, oh no, this is not going to work out. This is not going to work out. And it's not, it's just pizza, Lana. Everyone has their preferences. It's not, it's not the point. That's not the point. You have to reach a point of maturity when you realize your, your caliber of taste increases, right? You have to reach a point of maturity when you realize, ew, McDonald's make my stomach hurt. Like, I'm too grown for this. Like, drink, you gotta build your immune system to drink wine, you know? You have to open your your taste palates to know how to eat a rib. 
know how to eat steak. And when I tell y'all he doesn't know how to eat, like, he he's never had a steak. He's never had a rib. He's like, and I'm like, wait, have you not had ribs before? Like, how, how are you saying this is your favorite meal? I remember asking, I was like, you know, what's your favorite meal? What's your favorite type of food? Burger and fries. This isn't going to work out. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. There are some good burgers out there. But when I ask you a question about favorite food and your answer is burger and a fry, I'm hanging up the phone. Do you hear me? <laughs> I am hanging up the phone. I'm disconnecting it and I'm changing my number because at this point, you're disrespecting me. As a foodie, this doesn't make any sense to me. You can't tell me your favorite your favorite meal is a burger and a fry. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go. So anyway, all that says there's a lack of maturity and he's the type of man who I, I realize I would have to teach him <laughs> how to be the man for me. And I don't want that. I don't want a nigga who I gotta build. You know, it's one thing to build somebody who, you know, you gotta teach people how to love you, right? You know how people say, and even in books, you know, you gotta tell people your love language, right? Or show them your love language. You know, maybe you're someone who loves to be, you know, given gifts. Maybe you're someone who loves, you know, quality time. Whatever the case is, right? Um... That's fine and all, but I'm not going to tell you and teach you and, like, dress you up as a man. No, nigga, come already as that. And then we could work on other things like, you know, I really like it when, you know, you rub my feet. Like, that's something that we could have. But if I got to build your character, build your... I gotta go. Anyway, uh, so that's that's the difference between those two. And that's something I feel like I would need him to man up over there. Like, go through your man, like, develop your manhood on your own and get back to me when when time is time is time is clear okay when the when the light is green hit me up um in the meantime boston bay is still number one all right i'm gonna end it here thank you guys for tuning in and i'm out peace thank you for tuning in to another episode of god built this podcast with your host maxine be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at God Built This Pod. God bless.